You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the All-Star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Time now for another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. It's going to be all A's. It's going to be a player, a coach, and two broadcasters. We're going to have Mark Canna. We're going to have Scott Emerson. We're going to have Glenn Kuyper and Ken Korak, the voice of your Oakland Athletics. But it was great. It's summer camp time. And we got a chance to sit down with A's center fielder, A's left fielder, A's right fielder, A's D8. You can put them anywhere. That's why we call them duct tape. Here's Mark Canna. Mark, how are you? Chris Townsend with A's Cast Live. Hey, Tony. How's it going? Uh, life is good. You know, the last time I talked to you, uh, we were honoring you at the banquet, and then uh, you were rolling back to uh, Arizona, have the birth of your child. How'd it go? Yeah. Uh, it went well. Everything went well. My daughter was born about two months ago, and because of the quarantine, I got to spend, you know, I got to hang out with her for the first two months of her life, where, whereas I wouldn't have if we weren't playing baseball. So, that's okay with me. Yeah, no doubt about that. You know, there's some things you, you take out of this as a real positive. And to think, you know, for you and what that means for your wife uh, and what that will mean for your daughter long term. But for you, you know, baseball players, you miss so much time. You miss all those special moments in life. I, this will truly be something you never forget, that you got to be there for such precious moments in your daughter's life. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty great. Um, it's it's not often that we get, you know, summers off, so it's a little different feel. And, um, you know, I'll, we'll always remember this, these crazy times, but I'll remember the extra time I have with my family. So that's it's been great. I uh, talked to Scott Emerson earlier today, and he said when he got to the ballpark, he, like, laid down on the grass. Instead of doing, like, a snow angel, he did, like, a grass angel, you know, talking yeah. about how, you know, I mean, your entire life you've been playing baseball, and then all of a sudden now you're not playing baseball. What did it mean for you to get back to the Bay Area, to put the uniform back on, to go out and see the green grass and, and hit a couple balls over the wall? What was that like for you? Uh, it's just nice. It's it's nice to to be able to get back to what we're used to doing at this time. And and uh, yeah, I think it was kind of the similar feeling of when at the beginning of the first spring training we had this year, where it's just like everyone's got the itch. Everyone's wants to get back on the field. And and uh, you know, I I feel like a little kid just running around at a park. You know, I feel like I'm just free. Yeah, the joy. I mean, the joy that it brings to, to play the game that you guys love and to know how good your team is. And it, it 
I know for us, when we're talking about, wow, now you're adding the Dodgers and the Giants and the Padres and the Rockies and, and, and the D-backs, and now you're not going back east. You're going to have less flights. When you found out this this was going to be a West Coast thing, what did you think about that? Um, I, I'm fine with it. I mean, I honestly, I think anything – we were willing to do anything to make the season work. And, and if this is the safe, the safest way to, to resume, then, then I'm glad we're doing it. You know, there's a great article in the athletic about you going back to school at Cal and doing uh, zoom schooling. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was, what was that like for you? I know uh, the teacher's a big A's fan, but yet at first uh, she's a season ticket holder, but she's like, she didn't realize who exactly you, who you were. What was it like going back to school? Um, it was cool. It was a lot of fun. I, I actually, I do enjoy, it's the second time I've gone back to school during my career. I went back in 16 too, when I had a season ending injury and it's, it's always fun to go back just to kind of change up the routine a little bit and get back to studying on a regular basis and, and just doing all that stuff. It's, um, when you do something that's, (laughs) doesn't sound like fun, I guess, but when you do something like baseball all the time where it doesn't require too much thinking at all, it's, it's nice to, uh, to change it up and sprinkle some, some academics in there from time to time. Yeah, school's got to be different when like you don't have to do it like i remember like you had to do it you have to get the degree you have to and then now you can kind of pick and choose you can do whatever you want and 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 tell us what you were studying and what you learned um i took a public health class and the the class was basically on um how a lot of it was on the health care in in the united states and it was just a lot about how health insurance works and how it's delivered and how it's financed and, and the kind of the political side of that as well. So uh, kind of all encompassing healthcare class. And it was actually just the first class of a concentration where I started. So I think I'm thinking uh, my major is political economy. And I thinking I'm thinking now there's going to be a public health, concentration to that well i gotta think it's it's when you're doing that it's great to keep your mind and talk about when you got hurt to keep your mind off you know not playing baseball but now that mm-hmm. we're, we're we're getting ready to go um how much are you guys talking about boys we can't get off to a slow start man this is a sprint to the finish line um i don't know if we are talking about it Per se, I think everyone knows that that's kind of there and how important that is because of how we started in the past. But I think everyone's just focused on on getting themselves ready and and just kind of in the present moment and trying to, um, you know, get ourselves ready for for what we need to do. It's no easy task. We got three weeks to to do what we normally do in you know a little bit longer time. So. Um, I think there's just emphasis on on working hard and and a lot of emphasis on staying healthy and and we're just staying on the task at hand. 
you know, for you, I mean, obviously, you know, we, we gave you that nickname duct tape. You can play anywhere on the field and uh, your defense is fantastic. Going into the season, I don't know if you've talked to Bob or what, what do you think your role defensively is going to be to start out this year? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I have no idea. It's going to be probably, it's going to be center field or right field. Um, I will, I just typically, I treat it like be ready to play both, be ready for a 50, 50 split, because honestly, you never know what's going to happen. There's always injuries and, and things, things happen. So I have to be ready for, for either situation. I know that and I'm sure Bob knows that. And he, you know, this early in the game, you can't even tell someone, you know, like me, what exactly is going to happen because you just don't know. And, and we prepare for all of it. Hey, remember when it was odd? Everybody thought it was odd. You were wearing a face mask back in the day. Actually, you were, you were a trendsetter. Yeah. How about that? (laughs) I mean, MLB networks talking about it. Like, why does he have a mask on? Hey, now there may be a lot more guys doing what you've been doing. Yeah. Well, and and they'll be warming themselves in, in a coastal Bay Area town as well. So you, you can kill two birds with one stone there. You set a good example and, uh, you know, stay warm. Hey, we always appreciate the time. You're one of our favorites on the A's, and it's great to hear your voice because we're just trying to bring on familiar voices for our fans that have pretty much been cooped up at home for a long, long time. And congratulations on the new baby and your family, and we can't wait to see you play a little baseball. Thanks, Tony. Hey, the bottom line is this team didn't win 97, 97 games last year if they don't have Mark Canna. I mean, what he does for Bob Melvin – You want to talk about being able to play all these different positions, to have flexibility with the lineup. Mark Canna was big for the Oakland Athletics, and he's one of our favorites. I love having him on. You learn so much. He's so cerebral when you're talking about pitching. Here's the pitching coach for your Oakland Athletics, Scott Emerson. Well, you know he's one of our favorites. Whenever we get him, it's going to be a special time because no one's better in the business. Scott Emerson, one of the top pitching coaches in all of Major League Baseball and future radio guy someday when he decides to hang him up, he will be in the booth. I guarantee it. Emo, it's great to hear your voice, and especially not on the East Coast, but back on the West Coast. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're excited. Uh, thanks for having me, and uh, we're ready to get this thing rolling. You know, you've spent your entire life in baseball, from a little kid to a professional uh, in the big leagues. What did it mean to you with this layoff to finally put that uniform back on? Oh, it was uh, – I mean, the first day when I got to the field, I went on the field to do my little exercise, and and, uh, you know, I can't say it was a snow angel, but I guess it was a grass angel. You know, I just laid on that great, beautiful Coliseum field and, and did a couple of grass angels. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, you know, you, sometimes you don't, you know, realize how important things are in your life until they're gone. And then when, you know, baseball leaves you for, for a while, you start thinking, man, what's going on. And then when you get it back, you just kind of remember, you know, what, what you love to do and, and, you know, what your you feel like your purpose is. You know, it was 4th of July 
and I was smoking ribs. And I was at my smoker, and, and I'm sitting here going, what the hell am I doing? Why am I not working? I mean, it's like the first 4th of July in probably like 26, 27 years that I hadn't worked. It's just, it, it just, as time went on, it just kept getting worse and got odd. And it's like, you know, my purpose is to cover this game. I love this game. So as you said, you, you don't know what you have until you lose it. Do you get a sense from Bob Melvin all the way down through the coaches, through the players, just an appreciation to be back? Yeah, I think, you know, our, our guys are ready to ready to play baseball. You know, the, the focus is on, you know, staying healthy and keeping everybody healthy. But playing baseball, uh, it, it's, it's been, you know, our workouts have been great. Uh, Ryan Christensen, our, our bench coach, puts the workouts together. You know, they're a little bit different because we're trying to, to uh, minimize the number of people on the field at the same time, which minimizes the number of people in the clubhouse at the same time just to use that as a precaution. And, uh, but, you know, you, you really, when you get down to it, you know, you, you look at this format and you're, you're, it's more one-on-one type stuff, you know? So, you know, when, when you get small groups of pitchers, four and five guys, you know, the communication takes a, a whole nother level. So I'm kind of liking it, even though you're out there a little bit longer at times, but these short little uh, bursts with everybody is important because as a coach, you want to have that touch point with each player as often as you possibly can. So you could build that relationship and you can work together. So, you know, I think it's been interesting. Uh, you're learning a lot about the players because you're spending a little bit more uh, one-on-one time with them because of the uh, small groups. And, uh, you know, our, our guys are pretty focused. You know, at spring training, you have all these fields and you have all this space. Now you got the Coliseum. And I know there's batting cages behind center field. That's usually where the opposing team hits. Uh, Fortunately for the Coliseum and the Raiders being gone, you guys can now creep up, not only have your old clubhouse, but now you can turn the Raiders locker room into a clubhouse, just spacing with everything, with all these players and everything going on. How is that working with just having one field, the Coliseum? Well, the, the one field's been, you know, hasn't been bad because like I said, we're, we're dividing up the groups. We're bringing them, bringing them in, in, uh, you know, uh, in groups. So, you know, the center field cage is being utilized. The other batting cage is being utilized. So then you've got uh, uh, base running going on during batting practice. Uh, early in uh, the first couple of days, we used both sides for bullpens. Uh, we took a group on one side. Marcus Jensen and uh, Ricky Rodriguez is here, our AAA pitching coach. They took another group on the on the other side. Uh, so the spacing hasn't been bad. You know, you just uh, just kind of when you're building that rotation in the in the in the practice plan that Ryan has built. You know, you got guys moving, uh, you got guys going to station to station. And, you know, like during the regular season, when we start games, we don't have all these stations going on during batting practice. It's basically, you know, batting practice, uh, take your ground balls and maybe shag and head on in for the game. So, you know, with these extra rotations, the guys are getting their extra swings in in, in, in multiple cages. So I, I think it's gone uh, really well. Yeah, we have talked about this in the past, and I I know when fans would listen to it, they probably go, these guys are nuts. 
But this is something that you and I the past couple of years have broken down because it, it could be the future of the game. And now with a 60-game schedule, you once said on this program that you want your pitchers to show up to the ballpark, be ready to go, and when he asks you to pitch, you get out and go and get some outs. And we've called it a positionless staff to where we don't say, you're a starter, you're a middle reliever, you're a setup guy, you're a closer, just everybody show up ready to go, and we call on you, we call on you. And if there was ever a time to have something like that, wouldn't this be the time? Well, yeah, you know, a 60-game sprint season, uh, you know, each and every game, uh, I don't – I think I heard the number was one win equals, you know, between 2.7 and three wins in 162 games. And so every win is important. Uh, but you, you also have to uh, realize, you know, if you're using so many pitchers in one game, you know, by the time you get to game – three and four, you know, you got some worn out guys. I remember my first couple of years coaching in the rookie league. I had a manager named Woody Heike who had coached the rookie league uh, since 1971. And this was year 2000. And we always had Sundays off. And he said, every Thursday, we're going to be out of pitching. And sure enough, it just seems like, you know, on Thursdays, you're scrounging to look for arms to, to to pitch that game so you know if the scenario is to use as many guys not let guys get through the lineup that many times you know it might be good for two and three games but once you get around four and five then then you're hurting and looking for for your arms so you know at at some point in time you would hope that you have five legitimate starters you know if you've got five legitimate starters that's a game changer too because that means you're the, your starters are going seven innings. You're saving your bullpen two innings. I mean, so it, it's you know it's just basically how your pitching staff is built. And to be honest with you, you know, on paper our pitching staff's built really well with the starters. But like I've, I've, I've said before, you know, the, the Pucks and the Lazardos they haven't made those starts ever. So you know you're going to see some growing pains. And in in those type instances, maybe you do something. But in the 60-game stretch, you know, you, 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 you could be a little bit more, uh, especially early when you have, uh, you know, maybe 15 or 16 pitchers. I don't know what the breakdown's going to be. But you can play Captain Hook a little bit earlier and, and uh, bring in some different guys. But also, if the other team has 14 position players, they're going to play pinch hit early. So, I mean, it's, it's a whole different strategy. You got a feeling like every game is going to be a playoff game? As a coach, and as you'd hope every game anybody ever plays is a playoff game. I mean, there's not one uh, game in my life I can sit back and say I'm cruising here. You know, I went after everything I've done uh, to, to win, to bury you. That's just kind of how my mentality. Now I wasn't good enough, but if I'm playing you in ping pong, I'm not. I, I'm I'm trying to win. You know, so you know my mentality. My mentality for these pitchers is, Hey man, this is, this is, you know, you know, the most important part of the day is stretch. And then once you completed stretch, the most important part of the day is your throwing program. Once you completed throwing program, once most important part of the day is your warm up for the game. And then once you complete that, the most important part of your day is the game. So everything, 
everything, in my opinion, is important and you need to be paying attention to detail because that's what the great guys do. If you, you know, you watch the last dance and, and you, you think about the great players of the world in, in other sports or whatever, their relentlessness that they're going to bury you and, and they don't care if it's an exhibition game. So, you know, I mean, I remember, you know, playing wiffle ball like, against young kids and I, I'm letting it eat and I'm hitting homers because I'm not letting them lose because the day they beat me in wiffle ball, they're going to wear me out on it. You know, so everything, you know, that these guys do should have that mentality that everything that they do matters. And when you have that mindset and you have that mentality that every game you play for the rest of your career is a playoff game, you're playing with that intensity to win that game. And if you get the whole team doing that, I feel like you win more games. Emo, what you just said is like my golf game to a tee. I show up to the course, I get a breakfast burrito and a Bloody Mary, I then head out to the range. I mean, there's things you have to do if you're going to be great, right? Yeah. I mean, look, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm not very good at golf and you know, I'm a high eighties, low nineties guy. I guess that's all right. Uh, but when I go play with my golf group, uh, I didn't play obviously during this whole, uh, uh, virus stuff, but in the off season, when I go play with them, I give it a hundred, you know, I go after it, but <laughs> I don't, I don't go to the range. So if I shoot a 91, I'm not going, man, man, I'm never playing this golf game again. I hate that. No, because I know I didn't put the effort in to, to be great at golf. You know, if, if I want to score seventies and 72s and shoot that, that score, I need to commit to hitting bunker shots on the range. I need to commit to practicing my putting every day, but golf is, is is not that important to me uh, uh, to be relentless in, you know, but baseball is. And that's why, you know, uh, you put in the video work as a coach. You put in all the stuff after the games. And, and when you're at, at home, you're doing the extra work because you want to try to find a way to gain an advantage. And, and you know, if I don't try to gain an advantage at home, doing the things at home, then how can I expect – our players to do that. So I'm hoping that the players try to gain an advantage in everything that they're doing. And that's why I always say uh, separation is preparation. You want to separate yourself from the field, you better prepare. So the young guns, you know, Jesus Lazardo obviously tested positive for COVID, but the good news, it sounds like he's asymptomatic. So it's not like he's going to lose his strength. And hopefully when he comes back, and takes a couple tests, and and uh, he doesn't test positive. He'll be ready to get back on the mound and get going. Uh, but AJ Puck, you know, when I left spring training, is right when he got shut down. How is the big left-hander right now? Oh, big left-hander is good. You know, he uh, threw a two-inning uh, little sim game the other day. So his next outing, uh, he's going to throw three, and we're just going to keep building him up. Uh, he's showing some good strength. Uh, you know, now's the time, though, the, the build-up process is where the arm stamina comes in. You know, you got you to gotta be able to go, you know, 100 pitches as a starter, per se, or get up to that number. Uh, you know, early on in, in the spring, like we talked about earlier, you know, you may have where the starters may only be built up to 60 pitches. So now you're playing a little bit of a, a, uh, a game early in the year and seeing what you could do because you're probably going to have to use multiple 
type long guys just to get to your bullpen. So, um, you know, but AJ, AJ's feeling strong. He's spinning his breaking balls really good. And, uh, you know, he's got a lot of potential and, uh, you know, I'm excited to watch him pitch during the season. You know, one guy that we talk about who just seems so valuable because anytime you have something go on where you lose one of the guys in the rotation, here comes Chris Bassett to come right in and fill in and do a great job. I've always liked his arm, you know, coming back from Tommy John, he had some issues, but you know, last year was the first time he really felt like he could let it go. And he felt like himself again, just how valuable is he as a guy that he can start for you. He can be a long guy for you. He'll do anything you want. I I think it's, you know, it's really valuable. You got a, you know, a guy that can, can play multiple roles on your pitching staff. And uh, he's got the mental toughness now to do that. He's accepted who he is. Uh, you know, he's a valuable, valuable pitcher of our pitching staff. I, I think I've even made a statement to you uh, uh, on a show before that, you know, when he came up last year is when we really started. When he got healthy and he was available after his rehabs in, in uh, Vegas, that's when we took off as a team. He he He, he is – a great teammate. He's cheering for everybody. Uh, and then he goes out and he competes. This guy goes out there and competes every game. And you know what? He takes accountability. You know, if, if he's, if he's uh, making some mistakes, he, he figures it out and goes out the next inning and corrects it. And the guys that, you know, are mature enough to have the discipline to do whatever they, they, do when the phone rings and pitch whenever that phone rings and can take responsibilities for themselves. Those guys just take their, their game to a higher level. And that's, that's what Chris Bassett did last year. I'm assuming, and just following guys on Twitter and knowing that guys have been out there throwing. And, you know, I talked to Sean Manai at one point and he was out at the park throwing, but from your reliever standpoint, what have these guys looked like? Is almost is it almost like they're ready to go? Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, breaking it down in in paper, you know, spring training games, uh, they usually get eight or nine games, and breaking this down, uh, some of these guys are going to face hitters, you know, five or six times, but they've already faced hitters before they got here. Some guys, and they faced hitters in spring training. So it's, you know, basically what you got is, is you got uh, now the, the, the velo in some guys may not show up quite yet because of their intensity level, who they're throwing batting practice to when they were uh, when they were at their houses. And and some of them didn't get to throw some batting practices. They just uh, threw bullpens. And it's a whole different story when, you know, you come to this summer camp and Matt Chapman standing in there. And uh, Frankie Montas throws one ninety eight. You know that's where, where he's where he's at the house throwing in a cage indoors, and he's facing a high school kid, and he, yeah, he's just gonna yeah, you know, I'm just gonna throw it ninety three, ninety four. But the bragging rights of the clubhouse, these guys, the intensity starts to go up, and that's what you need a little bit is uh, you you need to face some big league hitters so that intensity goes up. Uh, but we we have seen some high velos out of some guys that that you would expect, and we've seen some good velos, but some velos that are just aren't there yet. But also, you know, the first time off the mound in Oakland, 
now you're wearing your uniform pants. Now you're in a structured day. Um, I think, you know, by the time you know, two weeks shows up, these guys are going to be, you know, just as ready as they were for any other season to start. The starters stamina might be a little bit behind, but uh, I think the relievers are going to be fine. You know, whenever I hear summer camp, I think about your mom giving you sunscreen and a life preserver and, and, and a little brown bag with a peanut butter jelly sandwich, chips and orange slices. I just, that <laughs> just cracks me up right here. It's summer camp. Well, I never went to a summer camp. I was always playing baseball or basketball. And I mean, there, there was no, uh, go to camp. There was no, there was, it was play, you know, and, you know, it was, this was the first Easter I've spent at my house since the seventh grade, you know, after the seventh grade, we didn't have a, my middle school team didn't have a, uh, Easter tournament. Now you start in an eighth grade, you had an Easter tournament. And then in the ninth grade, you're in high school playing, you know, and, uh, so summer camp, this is, I, this could be my first summer camp. Did you see things grow around your house that you've never seen grown before because you're never there at that time of the year? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, you know, dang, the, the yard needs to cut, get cut again. You know, it was just, uh, you know, it was an interesting, interesting time being at the house during those times. Uh, you know, I kept asking my wife, I'm like, does it, do we have this many storms all the time? You know, we actually had a couple bad storms where, you know, I had some neighbors that had some big pine trees fall down and, and it was pretty scary. And I got, I got about 15 pine trees that are, that are 75 feet high and like eight feet around. So I got to start thinking about, man, do I need to cut these things down? It starts to, you know, when you, when you hear the crackling and the thunder and lightning and the wind, and you're looking outside and seeing these big pines sway, you start thinking, dang, this, is it always like this in the summertime? But it was fun. Let, let, let's end on this for the first time since you, you've been up with the big club with the A's, your traveling is going to be so different. You're not going to be going to the Midwest other than the Southwest taking on the Rangers and the Astros, no more East coast trips. I mean, cause you know, when you're an East coast team, you don't travel nearly close with the West coast teams. How nice is the travel going to be for this quick 60 game season? Well, I mean, just to stay in a relatively, uh, you know, we still got to go to the, the, the times of the two hour different time zone, but, uh, you know, the, the two and a half hour flights are, are a lot better than the five hour flights, but you know, I'm going to miss the East coast because, you know, I live on the East coast and I get to see some family, uh, throughout the course of the season, but you know, the other stuff, uh, it'll, it, it'll be exciting to, to get to play the Dodgers. It'd be exciting to see the Padres and see the uh, NL NL uh, West again. But you know, I think I saw where next year's schedule we're playing the NL West again. It doesn't make any sense to me, but uh, um, you know, it'll be exciting uh, to have a little bit less travel. Emo, you're the best. Be safe and uh, cannot wait for these things to get going because I know all Ace fans are chomping at the bit. We can't wait to watch a little baseball. Fans or no fans, uh, we're, we're expecting a great season from the A's. So we will, talk, we will talk to you soon. Be well. All right. Thanks for having me. Always great to catch up with Emo.
And then we had to catch up with Glenn Kuyper because last time we talked to him, all he'd been doing is playing golf with his brother and the Hall of Famer, Dennis Eckersley. So what's Kuyp been up to? Here's G Kuyp. G Kuyp, you ready to rock? Where the heck, where, what the heck have you been doing? Studying, Tony. Studying. We got baseball next week, buddy. It's unbelievable, right? Oh, my goodness. I wake up every morning with my fingers crossed that nothing, nothing goes wrong as we inch a day closer to playing a real ball game. But I guess that's just uh, kind of the way it is right now. When is the last time in your life you've had this much time off? Oh, my goodness. Ask my wife. She's not, you know, she's about ready to get me out of the house. But, <laughs> oh, man, I don't know. I mean, geez, you could go back to, you know, way back in high school and college, just like you when you were playing ball all summer, right? And, and just to not have baseball in the summer months, yeah, I mean, you can go back a long, long ways. And it's it's very strange, and it's not a lot of fun, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, um, I but mean, people, we're getting there. People following your career, I mean, going back to the Fox Sports days where you're doing Warriors and Sharks and college basketball. I mean, you did every sport here in the Bay Area. I mean, for you, it's, I mean, I mean, this has to be so odd because you've been, I mean, all the sports you've covered for all these years. Yeah, it's, it's super strange, you know, and, and it's just, we're so locked in with the baseball thing, you know, where, you know, you start getting ready February, March, and then you just go in April and, and any, any change from that is strange, but then a change to this degree where you don't, you just don't do anything and there's nothing going on. Um, it's hard, it's hard for everybody, you know, but you know, just, you know, from a, a sports standpoint, uh, you know, we're all creatures of habit and, you know, that habit has certainly been upended, but you know, we'll get through it and we'll have some fun hopefully in the next couple months and, and, you know, hopefully next year, you know, things will be close to being back to normal. Let's hope so. Please tell me you've been taking money from either your brother or the Hall of Famer, Dennis Eckersley. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, not a lot, but a little, a lot of golf, which is good. Gives you something to do, right? Takes your mind off everything that's going on in the world. So that's always a nice four hours to as you know, there's nothing better than being on the golf course with some people that you like and you can laugh with. You can have a lot of fun for four hours. So, um, yeah, we, we've had some good times on the golf course. So uh, that has helped. That has definitely helped. Yeah, we recently had the Hall of Famer Dennis Eckersley on as we were talking about 1989. And I just can't even imagine the stories between your brother and Dennis Eckersley, uh, the great Dwayne Kuyper we're talking about. I mean, those guys came up together in the Indian system. I mean, this was a long time ago. Yeah, 1972, Townie. Uh, my brother and Eck were teammates in Reno, Nevada, in single A in the California League. <laughs> so that's how, that's how far they go back. Um, and then they, they both got to the big leagues in the same year, 1975, and they were teammates for three years and they actually became very, very close that, you know, that long ago and they've remained very close. So they've been really good friends for a long time. And, and, um, yeah, so it is fun. I tell you, and, and it's amazing how, how ball players remember things. Those guys could, they can actually go back to that 1972 season, which is, you know, whatever, 50 years ago, something like that, whatever it is. They can go back to that season in Reno and they can remember games that were played. You can believe that and things that happened. And, and so I just sit there and listen and laugh and it's, 
it's been a yeah, it's been a, a nice little slice of enjoyment for for all of us to to chuckle about it because when those guys, you know, when those two guys got to the big leagues in '75, I was 12. So those two guys were pretty cool to me. You know, when you're 12 years old, you yeah. just think you look up to those guys, right? But uh, yeah, so it it had, we've we've had a lot of fun with that. So. Well, I can tell you, it's 48 years ago because I was born in 1972. So think about that. Your brother and Edgar <laughs> and Reno, the year I was born. Yeah, you, you know, and you got to, and I know we had a lot of fun at Little Johnny's uh, there in Cleveland. It's really a cool town. Going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was so special. Uh, you spent a lot of your younger years as your brother gets to the big leagues. You spent a lot of time in Cleveland. And boy, those were good years for your family. We did. We did. Yeah, it was fun. It was about a about a seven hour drive from where we grew up in Wisconsin. And, and we made that, that trip quite a bit, um, you know, and why wouldn't you? You know, you're, 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 you, you have a family member playing in the big leagues. So that's sort of, you know, that's kind of what things revolved around. We would go to, uh, you know, we would go to Cleveland a couple times in the summer for long homestands. We'd go to Minneapolis when they played the Twins. We'd go to Detroit when they played the Tigers. Of course, they came in to play the Brewers, the White Sox, you know, so we, we, we moved around a lot just to see it. So yeah, those, those guys, they were larger than life, you know, to me, just because of the age I was and, and, you know, what was going on. So, but Cleveland's yeah, soft spot, as you know, for, for, for me, you know, it was just such a great place to go growing up because not because Cleveland is some great town. But just because of what you were there for, you're you know you're watching your brother play and and yeah. So we always chuckle. I have everything. Oh, Cleveland! I'm like Cleveland's the best. <laughs> and, and you know, and they look at me like like I'm crazy. But that's okay. It's my little secret. So, but I'm glad that you got to experience Cleveland with us last year because we had a lot of fun. Oh yeah, it was great. And of course, they're going to be changing the name. And I think the odds-on yep. favorite is, is the Spiders. And I didn't realize Cleveland. I don't even know what year it was, 190, whatever. They were the Spiders. So I think that's the the favorite going into the clubhouse here. And uh, I think they'll definitely be able to market that. There's no question about it. You know, when we get into this season, you know, we're so used to a long season. Uh, it's just, you know, the, it's now the start, you know, late March, early April. Scratch all that, my friend. We're like in a yeah. football season. Every single game ma- matters. Aren't you just fascinated to see how the front office operates, how Bob Melvin operates? Because you can't lose. Yeah, I, you know what? I, yeah, that, that's a great call, and, and I, I am interested to see how managers go about it. Uh, because really, you know, the reality is, is I mean, even teams that are not expected to be any good, they're in first place on July, whatever the twenty fourth, right? I mean, that's a big deal. So. I, yeah, I think it, it's it's a sprint. Obviously, we know that, but I think as a manager, and and with you know how long our starting pitcher is going to go, that kind of thing. I think they're I think managers are gonna are gonna really have to work hard this year because every game is so important. You know, every game is like three games, right, or, or almost three. Um, so yeah, you just you can't you just can't mess around. You can't lose. You can't lose games. And I think the sense of urgency will really start to come into play. You know, when these games start, all of a sudden, you know, the managers and the players, they're going to say, oh, boy, you know, there's only 60. You know, I did a little math, Tony, and it's funny, and it's pretty accurate. But 
60-game season, that's, I think, 37% of a regular season, right? Is that the number that we've seen? I believe it is. Um, you, a five-game losing streak this year is the equivalent to, like, a 14-game losing streak in a 162-game schedule. Think about that, right? I mean, that's like – who who loses 14 – I mean, who has a 14-game losing streak in a season? Hardly, that hardly ever happens. But if you if you you it's almost like you can't have a five or six game losing streak this year. You really can't, and that makes it kind of fun and interesting. And and I'm looking forward to that because I, I think I think managers are going to play this like like every game is a playoff game, and I think that's probably the best way to do it. You know, Fangraphs did a simulated season for sixty games. And it came down to like the last day of the year. There's like 13 to 15 teams that are like right there yeah. for making at least a wild card. Like, I don't even know what the playoff scenarios are going to be, but baseball better figure it out because there's a good chance we're going to have a boatload of teams that are right there yeah. going into like the last weekend. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think you're going to have you play. I mean, you, uh, you know, we've had a fair amount of play in games over the last six or seven years, um, you know, with 162 game schedule. So yeah, I think there's a real good chance that, that you're going to have some teams tied at the end of the season and you're going to have playing games. And so listen, you know, that, that again, that's, that's a whole new deal uh, having the possibility of, you know, a couple teams tied. And, and again, it's only, it's only two wildcard teams, you know, um, so yeah, you better you better keep a couple days open at the end of that regular season because I think you you got a really good chance to have some, you know, some tiebreaker games, playing games. You know, who's going to be the wild card? This and that. Hey, sounds like fun to me. You know, I, I think I think it could be great. Are you guys going to do the majority of the games? We're doing them all. Yeah, we're we're it's pretty much locked down. Yeah, we're doing sixty games. I think two of the A's games are going to be on on Fox. So we will not do those. So we'll be doing 58 plus one of the exhibition games a week from tonight. Uh, that'll be the exhibition game we're doing. So that's exciting, but uh, yeah, so we're doing all, all the regular season, except I believe two. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll be doing them from the Coliseum when the team is home, just like normal. And when the team is on the road, we will be doing them from the Coliseum as well. They will just, We'll have a feed from wherever the team is at come into the Coliseum, and we will literally be in our booths doing the game, even though there will be nobody at the Coliseum. So that'll be a little strange and, and a little bit of a challenge. Um, but hopefully, you know, hopefully our fans at home, you know, hopefully they won't even realize it and they'll just be able to enjoy the game. So, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I've been trying to tell people the majority of the Olympics is done there. I mean, all the broadcasters are not like in Tokyo yeah. or Seoul or whatever. Uh, you know, Bob Costas for years was there. The main guys were there. But a lot of people uh, were back either in San Francisco and New York for NBC. So it's been going mm -hmm. on. And, and I just think for like you and Ray, you're going to be so pumped just to be back on. I don't think it's going to matter that you're in an empty building. No, I mean, just listen just the fact that yeah that we're 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 back working again i mean it's yeah yeah i agree and and, and i'm kind of glad that they're opening at home um you know so so the game will be going on right in front of us um 
But yeah, and it'll be a little different for us. I mean, Ray and I will not be in the same booth. We'll be in booths right next to each other, but um, we'll each kind of have our own our own booth. But we'll be able to, we'll be able to wave at each other through the window. Um, Dallas is going to be down in the stands somewhere, so he'll be doing his same thing. He just won't be quite as close to the dugout and the players. So you know, we got to getting it pretty well lined up. So um, put it this way, we'll we'll do the best we can and. And I, I, I think, I think people are excited. I think, I think we'll probably have some, you know, pretty good, pretty good viewership. People are excited to watch, you know, baseball in general and, and especially the A's because, Hey, you could win a world series this year. I, I know, Hey, I don't care how many games are played. If, if you win the world series, you win the world series, right? Hey, everybody's no playing, asterisk by anything. Yeah. Everybody's playing by the same rules. So uh, whatever That's right. That's right. Is the winner? Is this dorky or I just I miss keeping score? Yeah, yeah. No, I no. That's not dorky at all. I I miss. Listen, I could go on and on with it, but I miss writing the lineups in the on my lineup card every day and 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 writing down the guys' batting average, home runs, RBIs, just stuff like that. You know, you just don't realize that you'd miss it until you're not doing it. Um. You know, I, I like to really keep an eye on the out-of-town scoreboard. Just, just It's fun, and I miss doing that. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll never take all this stuff that we do for living for granted again, that's for sure, after after this. Um, but, listen, let's just hope it, it we get going and, and we get 60 games in and we have an, maybe an exciting postseason. And, and, you know, maybe we can, at the end of the whole thing, maybe at least – feel good about that maybe baseball helped the whole situation a little bit let's hope so no doubt help us heal and and one thing I don't know know if it's going to happen and I know it's only 60 games but I know it's never going to happen in a regular season because the scrutiny would just hitting 400 the pressure what the media would do to you it it would just wreck you I, I would love to actually say you know what I saw a guy hit 400 for 60 games I think it'd be pretty cool Sure. But I mean, that, that's the thing. I, I, I do think, I do think it's important for, for everybody, you know, us guys in the media and the fans and even the players to, to just, just go in on what's happening, right? It's 60 games. It's different. It's never going to happen again. It's, it's a little weird. There's no fans, but, but instead of looking at it like, Oh, this is weird. And this is, you know, it's not a real season. I, I just think let's, let's embrace it. And let's enjoy what could happen in these two months. And and like you're saying, what what if somebody's hitting you know 390 with a week left? You know, let's enjoy it. Let's not say, well, really, what's the big deal? Let's enjoy it. It's fun. And and so yeah, I mean, you could see something like that happen, sure. And however you want to dissect that at the end of the season, you know, fine. I, you know, I don't care. But if somebody's hitting 395 and it's close, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to watch that guy's every at bat and I'm going to enjoy it. I think we all deserve to you know, enjoy something like that. And yeah, I, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't care. I'm embracing the 60 games and all the crazy fun stuff that, that may go along with it. I, I'm not going to look at this negatively at all. No, I, I, I just, you know what? I can't wait to see you and Ray on television. I mean, I can't I wait. I can't wait to see I can't wait to see Ray's mustache. I can't wait to see Braden's beard. I miss it. I just, I, 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 you know, you just, you miss these things, but it is, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. And, and 
Um, so we will, NBC Sports California, will have the exhibition game uh, next Monday night with the Giants, which will be fun. And then, uh, you know, we'll be there for you opening night. So it's exciting. And let's hope that everything gets off the ground and everything is smooth. Let's hope so. How bad do you just want to have a beer with the lair? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. My, my production guys, you know, Delaire, our producer, Tommy Adza, the director, yeah. Josh, graphics guy. I miss those guys. They're, 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 they're not only, you know, guys that I work with, and they're terrific, very talented guys. I mean, they put on a great show, I mean, every night. But they're my good friends, too, and I do. I miss them. We, we have a lot of good laughs, and during the course of a long season, you know, it's nice to, to be able to say I, I work with really talented people, but I also work with friends. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a nice advantage to have, and and we do have a lot of fun, and we laugh a lot, and and it's one of the enjoying enjoyment parts of 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 my work is being able to work with people in Ray and Dallas. I mean, gee whiz, we laugh you know twenty times a day. I miss that. I miss that a lot. So um, we'll get it back a little bit, anyways, and and hopefully next year we'll back to normal. Well, I can tell you, we all miss watching you on NBC Sports California. Can't wait to have the games going again. It's great to hear your voice. Be well and uh, cross our fingers. We're going to be watching you soon. A's and Giants, it's going to be the best. All right. Thanks, Tony. And uh, I miss you, too. And keep up the good work. And uh, hopefully we'll all be rolling uh, a week from tonight at the Coliseum, a little A's and Giants. That would be awesome. Take care, buddy. All right. See you, bud. Kuiper's a good dude. You watch him on television. He's the exact same guy off the air that he is on the air. He's really special people. And then we always got to hear from the voice of summer, the voice of your Oakland athletics. Ken Korak was at summer camp. So we got to find out what is it like at the Oakland Coliseum. Here is your voice, Ken Korak. Did Ken Korak go canoeing today? Did he jump off the diving board into the lake? Did he have his, his, his brown bag lunch? How's summer camp been for you this summer? I'm looking forward to the cookout tonight and then a little campfire <laughs> after dinner, Chris. Are you guys going to uh, make s'mores? <laughs> by the way, the Sacramento Solons would be the name of the team in the Coast League that played at Hughes Stadium as you were talking with the illustrious Mr. Marty Lurie earlier. I knew I was wrong, but I was close. <laughs> You were close. <laughs> you had a shot at it, that's for sure. Uh, the good but old no, days am, of the original Los Angeles Angels. They used to play at Wrigley Field in downtown L.A., which was the first home of the Los Angeles Angels in 1961 before they moved into Dodger Stadium in 62 and Anaheim Stadium in 66. And you mentioned the San Diego Padres. I used to listen to their games when I was a kid, and they had some great teams just back in the 60s when they were an affiliate of the um, Cincinnati Reds. Some of the really great Reds players came through there. They played it, well, you know, because you're from there, they played at Westgate Park, which was a charming little place in Mission Valley. So check this out. Back in the day, they used to have a, a, a black and white show called Home Run Derby from Wrigley Field. And I remember yeah, being sure. kid watching the reruns, and it's like Willie Mays against Hank Aaron or or whoever, Mickey Mantle. And I'm like, how is Wrigley Field in Los Angeles? I, this, I can't – how does this work? Well, the Wrigley family had a real presence in L.A. In fact, 
I don't think they do anymore, but they owned Catalina Island. And that's why the Cubs used to train at Catalina Island. And for many years, the Cubs had their AAA club in the Coast League. And they were the LA Angels, and they played at Wrigley Field. So uh, there were some real famous players who played there, and the Cubs would come west, and they'd have spring training on Catalina Island. So that was the Wrigley connection. So how good does it feel for you to be back home and be in the Coliseum? I am literally in the Coliseum. I'm sitting in the lower deck just to the right of home play. This would be a great seat for a ball game, of course, during regular times. It feels very normal and it feels very different. I guess that's the best way to describe it. You know, I, I, I came down from Pleasanton, down the 580, the 238 connector. You come up 880, get off at 66, like I've done for the last 25 years. But then obviously the protocols are different. And I went through the screening to come into the ballpark, Chris, and it looks fairly normal. The music is playing and uh, some of the players are coming out, coaches getting ready, the ground crew is manicuring the field. But then, of course, you notice how different it is, too, with the wearing of masks and the distancing and all the protocols, which are so important, of course, right now. Yeah, because, you know, I was thinking this might be one advantage of having the Coliseum is that you have you have now the Raiders locker room, you've got the A's clubhouse, you have the visiting clubhouse, because we were just talking to Lou Merloni. You've got no space at, at, at Fenway Park. The A's actually have a lot of space. They do. It's a big place. And at Fenway, I'm sure Lou talked about this, and I heard a little bit of your interview with Scott Emerson. The Red Sox had to convert some of their luxury suites and turn them into makeshift locker facilities. So you're right. There's plenty of room here. And the way things like today, and, and I know Emo talked about this, the way they've uh, turned the, they've spaced things out as far as the workouts are concerned uh, to get into smaller groups. And like there will be side sessions thrown, like some of the, the big guns are going to throw on the side. Uh, Frankie Montas and AJ Puck are going to throw at 405, but then it won't be until seven o'clock when the A's will have a simulated game out here. I think it'll be about three innings. So um, just to make sure that there's that separation and forming groups, which is another thing that's uh, important right now. Yeah. Spacing the players out, having different rounds when you have players on the field, when you have, you know, a lot of people don't realize that there's batting cages in center field, that the opposing teams during regular times, you know, before games, they'll go out to center field and hit uh, to warm up before they take BP. So Ryan Christensen, very busy. Got a lot of guys, a lot of moving parts, very different from spring training when you have all these different fields available in Arizona. That's true. Now, one thing we have here is the great weather. Uh, it is perfect out here right now, Chris, and you'd hate to be in Arizona. You know, they were kicking around the idea of having the, the bubble arrangement where all the teams would go there. They'd go there, go to Florida. It's, it's supposed to be 117 degrees, literally, in Phoenix on Sunday. So this is it's ideal for getting your work in. The other thing the A's are trying to do is really to simulate a game and also simulating the feel of playing a regular season game. And uh, that's one reason why they're going to start the, the sim game at 7 o'clock tonight. It'll be kind of like a, a, a normal Saturday game at the old ballpark. Yeah, and I was looking at the rosters, and all the big guns are playing. So if you look at, I mean, Lariano's leading off for one team. Simeon's leading off for the other team. 
Uh, Murphy is going to catch for one club. Heim will catch for the other team. So, um, you know, all their big guns, all the regular players will be out here for the uh, simulated game at 7. Actually, I think it's Saturday. It's Friday, but it's Groundhog Day, so every day is the Friday, same, Friday, because right? I, I think looking at the schedule that all the Saturday home games this year will be at 110. There are a lot of different starting times, and I know you've talked about it, but I think every Saturday home game will be a day game. Sundays as well, too. They just have a lot of day games this year. Yeah, I want to say, Cody, what is it? 25 or 28 are going to be home games? I uh, mean, a day games? Yeah, 28 day games right. for the Ace. 28. Yeah, yeah. You know, the bottom line is, you know, on Saturday nights, we like to have firework night and have a, there's no need for that anymore. Yeah, it's all different, right? It really is. I mean, there's no need for that. Plus, you, you know, the usual getaway day games where the A's are going to play at 1240 and then get on a plane and then uh, either the A's or the team they're playing will be traveling, of course, after the game because there are very few travel days, Chris. Uh, 60 games in 66 days, including one stretch, which calls for the A's to play 43 games in 45 days. You know, the biggest thing for every single team, it works for everybody, is a hot start. There's 30 teams. The teams that get out to a hot start and don't have to play catch-up, wouldn't you say are going to have a huge leg up in this season? Well, what do they say? If you lose eight in a row, it's like losing 20 straight or something or 21 or two in a row. That's the equivalent. So you can't afford that. And then the other thing is what happens with teams that get off to a really tough start and what will they look like? How much will their motivation perhaps change when you get to September? Uh, and, you know, and you're, you're already buried. You've played for a month and you're 10 or 12 games out of first place by then. So um, it really is critical. Chris, and I'm sure the A's will come out and play with that kind of urgency. But, you know, one thing, too, it's really cool to see the grounds crew and they're, uh, they're watering down the infield dirt. And this field, it's always been considered one of the best playing surfaces in baseball. There are those who've said it's the best infield surface in the game, and we don't have to worry about the Raiders anymore. So uh, it'll be a great playing surface for the entirety of this truncated season. You know, I hope baseball has figured this out well before we have to get into it. Uh, as we've been discussing today, and you you might have heard it, where you talk about how many teams, it's going to be really tough to separate yourself big time from anybody else with only 60 games. We could be coming down the stretch with so many teams in it for division and wild card. Like, the tiebreakers could be crazy. I hope they figure it out because you could have a lot of teams end up tied at the end of the year well can you imagine what would have happened if they had expanded the playoffs with 16 teams and trying to figure out all the seating for that well the last game of the season everybody plays at the same time too so you'll there'll be a lot of scoreboard watching uh, well i guess they won't have the out-of-town scoreboards operational here but uh i think at 12 10 is when the specific time of course the is will play their last game of the season let's hope we get there uh, you know, I'm very impressed with the way that everybody just it's my first time out here. But uh, obviously, you, you look around, you see all the masks and you see the social distancing. And as you and I have talked before, Chris, everybody has to play their part. This is a microcosm of the country, really, from the standpoint that all of us have to play our part right now. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about it. And I know Ace fans miss you 
A's fans miss Vinny. They can't wait to hear you guys call baseball. And for you, what's the one thing you're most looking forward to when this thing gets started? Well, I miss doing my job. I think that's one thing. And I miss the game. I miss uh, watching baseball and calling baseball. I don't think any of us really knows how it's going to look once we start. I think that we'll – I don't think it'll take – too long to get used to the fact there won't be any fans in the stands, but some of the ancillary stuff, uh, it sounds like they're going to pipe the uh, crowd noise in through the PA system. I, I know some players think it's a good idea. I've read a couple that think it's, it's not so great. So there are things about it that, that are a little unknown from that standpoint. Uh, in a strange way, you don't want, you, obviously, you'd rather not have to do it. I'm kind of looking forward to the challenge of what it will be like to call games um, off the TV monitor while the team is on the road. I mean, that's going to be really unique, Chris. It's something none of us has ever done before. So, but, uh, you know, and honestly, we've been pretty isolated. I haven't spent, I haven't seen any of my friends uh, except an occasional round on the golf course in four months. And so I think getting back to a semblance of a routine, I think we've all been longing for a sense of normalcy. I'm not saying this is normal, and I think it'll be as much a somber occasion as a celebratory occasion when baseball starts. But just to kind of see Vince Catronio again and to see Fossey and see Mike Baird, uh, you know, we're fortunate that we have a chance to do our jobs. Yeah, and one thing we brought up with quite a few broadcasters is whether you're doing the Olympics, uh, Pac-12 Network, Big Ten Network, a lot of these broadcasts are done from studios. So really what we're doing is we're just getting you ready for your Olympic debut. Synchronized swimming or something like that, huh? That'd be fun. Yeah, the reality Yeah, and I'm curious. Go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. I was going to say, the reality is, uh, the diving, yeah, the guy's not, the, the broadcasters are back here at NBC. They're not there uh, when the diving's going on. One of my really close friends all the way back from high school, uh, Chris Marlowe, has been doing the volleyball for the Olympics for like decades now, right? I mean, he's like the main, been the main voice of volleyball for years. So kind of fun to tune into those. I mean, the Olympics are great anyway, but when you know some of the people involved, the, um, I think, and you know, we're not exactly sure how, how it's going to look when it comes down to it, but you know, how many monitors will we get for the games? Because I've been asked so many questions about doing the games while the A's are on the road, but uh, it looks like we're going to get like the main feed that everybody would see at home. And then I'm looking forward to that high home shot so we can uh, pick up on who's out there playing defensively and things like that. So will we have some of those you know, bells and whistles to kind of help us get through those road games? If they don't, they should ban shifting. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. Because <laughs> that would be that would be brutal. But you know, Mike Barrett, I you know, who's been our engineer for as long as I've been doing the games, I think this is twenty sixth year engineering A's baseball. He's really been on top of this, Chris. He's had conversations with major league baseball people, of course, with the A's front office led by Matt Pearl. So we're not everything that is available to us, we're going to have. Uh, I know Mike will go the extra yard to make these broadcasts sound as good as they can, even though, of course, there won't be any fans in the stands. Well, I'm glad that you're home. You're finally home, and I can't wait to start listening to A's baseball. And uh, keep us updated 
Uh, we'll be back on next week. Keep us updated on how summer camp's going. And make sure you wear your sunscreen at summer camp. <laughs> sunscreen and my mask. <laughs> uh, All right, buddy. Be well. Two, uh, okay, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Well, that'll do it for A's Unfiltered. We thank Mark Canis, Scott Emerson, Glenn Kuyper, and Ken Korak. Now back to A's Cast, powered by TuneIn. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.